I'm Maureen Whitehouse. After awakening from a near-death experience 20-plus years ago, I discovered I could see through pain. Any pain. So for the last two decades, I've been helping people come right through their life's greatest challenges and into a life literally teeming with miracles. I'm Christian Camarena. I found Maureen when I was at a low point and searching for some kind of meaning in my life. Straight off the bat, she started talking to me about miracles. Whoa, I was not expecting that. I'm kind of the healthy skeptic in this scenario, and I wasn't sure I believed in all this stuff about miracles, so I questioned everything. And it turns out, a true spiritual teacher really loves that shit. I realize I still have a lot to learn, so you might as well stick around and learn right along with me. While I ask the real questions, and Maureen does what she does best, reveals the miraculous and the marginal, the mundane, and the everyday messes of life. This is Miracle Renegade. Today, I wanted to talk about loyalty. Mm. When I was younger, I felt like loyalty was everything. It was the only thing that held me accountable for all the things in my life. But I was wondering, what is loyalty? And how do I know if it's harmful to me or not? Yeah, this is a great question because it is loyalty. That's one of the biggest detriments to our capacity to be completely authentic. Mm. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Loyalty is wonderful, great. And you can tell from some of the experiences you had based on loyalty that it felt good because it's a connecting kind of energy. Yeah, All of us are seeking connection because that is the reality of us is connecting to the source of us, our inner being. Mm. But the answer lies in that lots of times loyalty is to everything outside. When we haven't yet learned what it's like to be loyal to ourselves Mm. and who that self is and what that means. So it's a great time to get back to what is that? What's the most important thing that we maintain a constant state of loyalty with? And that's our inner being. So I called it the soul. I called it the spiritual aspect of us. I've called it our divinity, our divine self. It's really our inner being. I think that's the least threatening maybe word. It doesn't have a whole lot of other labels on it that people have put on it. If we talk about our inner being as our, our wisdom, our innate wisdom, our innate connectivity to all of it, to everything, it's our divinity that has the same underlying uh, capacity to connect with every single thing at the same time. Hmm. And so when we decide that we're going to be loyal to this self, to thine own self be true, you've heard that before, then everything else sees us showing up more authentically. Every other person in our life gets us showing up more authentically. Every other situation has us show up more authentically. And we realize, yeah, I had the greatest time ever because I showed up 100%. I was totally committed because... I looked inside first. I said, is this something that's appropriate for me now? This specific thing, is this appropriate for me now? And it feels 100% like the shoe fits perfectly. 
that's your Cinderella story. That's what this is all about. Yeah. And, you know, why not let yourself expand at times? We grow. We outgrow situations. We outgrow everything if we allow ourselves to expand with wild abandon. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a lesson that I missed. Mm. I think I, I think because it was always done for me, I didn't think about the growth, the changes, and getting out of a situation because it's I've outgrown it. Yeah. So when you said it was done for you, what do you mean? As in all the growth, it's always felt like I was just getting pulled along. So it was initiated by somebody else's agenda. Yeah, or like an institution like school or if it was my family, like my mom, or like a job. I didn't think about it as me outgrowing the job. I just thought about it as the job has run me down. How interesting, but you're a very expansive being or we wouldn't be doing this show. Yeah. And so how fun when you just shift that tiny perspective. By the way, you just witnessed a miracle. A miracle is just a shift in perspective. That's all it is. It's that you have a limited thought or a belief about yourself that causes hell. (laughs) And then watch, doesn't it feel much more like, wow, that's in alignment with peace. That feels like heaven to me if I adopt that idea. You said something really important that you know, your mother was well-meaning. You know, even the teachers you had in the established schools, institutions, they're all well-meaning. It's not like people are out to get us and stop us from being ourselves. It's that people seem to band in herds and everyone imagines that people are happier if they're part of the collective Mm. because we want that connection. Yeah. But see, it's such a subtle shift. We want connection. We definitely want connection with other people. We definitely want to be part of the, in quotes, herd. But not to the detriment of our soul. Yeah. Not to the detriment that we find ourselves in soul-sucking jobs. The way I put this is I always tell people, what would you do if you were entirely in a vacuum? If there was no one else's good or bad opinion on a decision that you're making, no one else's detriment, no one else's, you know, advancement, no one else's capacity to care at all about the decision you're making now. Of course, that's hypothetical because we don't make decisions typically in a vacuum. Mm But you can get there just by taking time out to meditate or to have some peace and quiet by yourself or to go out in nature or just to be with animals. Yeah. They can be completely loyal, by the way, because they are prompted in everything they do by their inner being. Hmm. So feel it, how much more connected it is with the outside world if you connect inside first, because you will find your people. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest fear about being an individual that's highly self-referring, that knows your inner being, that knows what your deepest soul desires. People get the message from society that that's when you're ostracized. That's when you're kicked out of the club. That's when you have to really worry or fend for yourself. Absolutely not true. That that self-referring kind of energy is expansive. The world is evolving rapidly just because of that. Hmm. So there's always going to be changes happening all the time. And some people will resonate with, if they're really being honest with themselves and connected to themselves, this inner being. And some won't really resonate with them. Yeah, it's kind of insane how quickly everything changes. Like, I I remember as a kid, 
if you watch Seinfeld, he, he still looked like he was in 1987 for like mm-hmm. the first like six seasons. But now, like if I see something from 2015, I'm like, that's old. Like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And the other thing that's really interesting now is that I was in the fashion world in my younger days. So I used to be able to say, oh, that's 80s fashion. That's 90s fashion. Mm-hmm. Now it's so cool because it's not labelable like that. Yeah, there are certain designers who are putting things out at certain times, but it's more like art now. Yeah, and people can wear what they want the way they want and still be not ostracized for not being part of the crowd because it's like, well, what's the crowd? Yeah, I think fashion is going to yeah. be great in a couple of years because now it's becoming a uh, a gender. So like yeah. everyone's oh, wearing everything. So yeah. So great. So notice the less labels we can put on things, the less angst we feel. Mm. It's that whole thing about if you can label it, then you can say if it's good or bad, mm. if it's acceptable or not. And so then you can label people and you can label their actions. And all those tend to be judgmental. Yeah. And that's the very thing that separates us from the source of us. Because here's the way our source looks at everything. If it's fun and joyful and interesting and exciting and expansive, I'm in. Period. Hmm. Period. And if you're resonant with that, if you feel that, then that's all the safety and security you need because as long as you stay connected to that feeling, you're not going to fall off a cliff. You're going to keep staying on this trajectory that's ever expansive and just takes off into flight. The challenge is when, uh, here's an example. I know you've seen this just in walking down the street. You'll see a mother walking with her kids and uh, maybe she's talking to another mother and there are a bunch of kids there. And all of a sudden on the sidewalk, there are comes up this big cement border and it's about four feet off the ground and one of the kids just jumps up on it starts running along because they're having a good time with their friends and the mothers inevitably yell don't do that you'll fall yeah I'm that mother. Yeah. <laughs> I, when my friends do that, I get scared. But did your mother do that or not? Or are you yeah, taking my, her? I think I took over my mom's word. It's, it's really fun to notice that because the kids don't fall until the mother says yeah. that. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because from the beginning of that child's awareness on earth till now, that mother's been the authority figure. Mm. And so it's a tendency for kids to give their authority over to their parents because that's what you're taught to do. Respect Mm. your parents. Be loyal to your family. Mm. And if you're being a good boy or a good girl, you're going to do what your parents say. Well, what if your mother says you're going to fall? You know, And, And a mother doesn't realize that at the time. Because we are told different norms that are supposed to keep us safe, in quotes. But what's safety and security if you're not connected to your own inner being? That's the voice of your own best interest. Mm. And no matter what it looks like, if they feel they can do it, they have the capacity if they're connected deeply with the source of them, their inner being that's connected to everything at once. Mm. So who really knows anything about anybody else unless you're in their skin? And the only way you can do that is to be completely non-judgmental, completely loving, completely caring. At one with them means you're at one with their inner being, which means you're at one with your inner being. What does that look like? Yeah. Total acceptance and love. So uh, that was wonderful. But loyalty to my family 
is taught to be like very important, especially in some cultures like Dominicans. Loyalty to your family is everything. Yeah. So your culture that was a big deal. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. It is kind of pushed down everyone's throats by governments and things as a way to get people to do things that maybe they wouldn't want to, like go to war and get killed. Yeah. But、um, I think you're right. Certain cultures have a much more predominant relationship with loyalty. So how do I make that work in my best interest? Okay, this is a great question because you're kind of getting down to the core of things and the basics here. First of all. If you've been conditioned by society and people who are well-meaning, who were the authority figures while you were growing up, to be a good boy or a good girl based on their opinions, then it's a little difficult to become automatically self-referring,、hmm. because it's not necessarily going to be condoned by most of the people you know, since you've cultivated friendships and relationships based on what you knew in the past.、Yeah. So chances are, if you had a very Subtly disapproving father, say, you might find yourself with a subtly disapproving boss because wow, that really feels like home, and you don't realize that that's why you chose this scenario. It was like I kind of liked that guy when I first saw him, but man, this is intense. I'm feeling like the same old, same old thing is going on. That's the food industry. There you in go. In a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> Everyone has father issues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Olympics. It's、yeah. it's a lot of industries. <laughs> So, when you start to notice that you've been driven by the need to please other people, who again were well-meaning and they were just people doing the best they could. Father just so happens to have a son. You know, he wasn't a father until the son showed up. So it's always practice. You see that since everybody's doing the best they can, that releases you from thinking anything judgmental about them because that's certainly not going to release you. Every time we judge something, it becomes magnetic to us. It's like we can't get away from it. So, first of all, just say to yourself, "Look, everybody, my whole life up until this moment has been doing the best they could based on what they were taught, based on what they really believed, based on what made them feel safe and secure." So let me just let them all off the hook right now, and say thanks, everybody. You know, I really appreciate all your good efforts and, and goodwill. But I want to know who I am and why I tick and why I came here. Maybe there's something other than everybody else's agenda for me, personally and individually. Just maybe, if everybody else is out of the picture now, they're not in your immediate world. You've now got all this space and freedom without all their voices saying what they said before. You know, you resenting them and being sucked back into their beliefs. Now you have this free, clear space to just sit with yourself and say, "Okay, so I'm not going to be angry at myself the way I was angry at them, and start to beat myself up if I don't know exactly what I want to do. I'm just going to spend some time with myself, some nice quality time with myself. Okay, so what feels like quality time? One step at a time. It might be something completely seeming unrelated to your life's purpose, but while you do something that you enjoy. You're in alignment with the true you. That's your inner being. It speaks of joy. That's the voice of your own best interests. By the way, your happiness is your purpose. That's what the voice of your own best interests knows. What makes you happiest here on earth was your the mission you came in with. 
you just love it and you would do it even if it was for no good reason according to anybody else's beliefs or opinion. Mm. I remember when I was a little kid that I really loved cooking. I don't know why. It wasn't like the fad. It was so long ago that yeah. it was just like mothers cooking dinner for families at the time or chefs maybe that were James Beard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I loved it so much that I asked for the Easy Bake Oven for Christmas and I got it. And I think for two years straight, I baked pretty much every day. Wow. I baked things in this little pan with a light bulb in the <laughs> oven. And I baked so much that my father got an extension cord and put it out on the picnic table in the backyard in the summertime so I wasn't in the house all the time. Oh, that's so adorable. And I, I just loved it. I didn't, you know, have any agenda other than to bake and cook and love cooking and baking. And it wasn't until I think an adult said to me, you know, you're so good, you could be a chef at the White House, that I started thinking, wow, what would that be like? And what would that kind of life be like? And it kind of took a little bit of the joy out of it yeah. for me because it wasn't me being spontaneous. I was like, well, what would you have to do to do that? And that just kind of was not the fun path that my soul was on. But, you know, as human beings, we have a lot of things, fortunately, that bring us joy. So if you're not going to be a, a cook or a chef, if that was a love of your life, you always can find opportunities to do that in your life with friends or family. Yeah. So how fun for us if we realize that there's two components to a happy life. The most important one is this deep connection to our own joy and happiness, like a reverence. That should be the altar we go to. Mm. We sit with ourselves till that spark of joy pops up. And everyone has it somewhere inside. And if it takes a little longer to dig to find it, then it just means you need to spend more time with yourself. Mm. So that first component is the connection to self. The next big component is to be able to focus long enough that you watch this joy evolve into what it's going to be kind of by itself. So you know everybody here in life sometimes has a hard time focusing on joy. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. life seems to happen at you. So you could be really thrilled to wake up in the morning and you have this new recipe you want to try and you're all excited about it. But the next thing you know, the teacher from school calls up and says your son's been making trouble in the classroom and you're all of a sudden just angry why am I going to cook a nice meal for my family now you know these these kids are always making me <laughs> and you can go off on all kinds of things the most important thing is to have at the beginning of our days the goal that we're going to stay connected to joy no matter what hmm. And if that's our goal, guess what's going to happen to you going to the school to sort out what happened with your son? You're going to show up wiser, more connected to who you are by connecting to joy. You're going to be able to see it more objectively. Mm. You're going to know the thing to say, to ask why, and then not fill in the blank really quickly like you're going to fall. Yeah. You'll be able to look at things in a way that makes that just be a blip on the screen. And before you know it, you're back to cooking in your great, happy way. And even feeling like, yeah, my son had a hard day and now I see what was going on with him. And 
Now I realize it was because I've been disconnected and not, you know, listening for the past couple of months and it makes my kids miserable. So they're fighting in school. Yeah. But I'm finally getting connected now. I'm cooking good food for everybody and my joy path. See, there's always a a fun, amazing storyline that when we start to follow it without self-judgment and when we start to follow it without the need to manipulate or control others, let them live and evolve the way they need to it's massively interesting it's Mm. it's like everything we've always wished was real is that life is actually happening for us not to us and all these opportunities are for everyone to be able to take the only challenge is most people haven't been taught to find out what's my inner being think about this what's Mm. the real me the deep me the true me think about this and feel about this. Is it joyful? Okay, I'm in. If it's painful or hard or sad or promotes unrest in me, I'm not in, no matter what anybody else's opinion is about that. Hmm. So how do you make it a, a priority, you know? How do you find the patience? Yeah, great question. Because it's a very active world and becoming more and more accessible to all of us every day. You know, I, I know now what people are doing in China or, <laughs> or, or Australia yeah. or New Zealand, anywhere in the world at any point in time. Yeah, it's so, a great poll out there. Yeah, and so that's a great question just to highlight one other thing. That this world, if you let yourself go inside, you'll find this is a very synchronistic world. It's very benevolent. So... I'm just going to back up a little bit here. One of the things that us being loyal, first and foremost, to people outside of us, corporations or things outside of us, it makes us feel a sense of lack and emptiness because we feel literally disconnected from ourselves on the inside. And the thing that we're all trying to get back to is a connection with our inner self. Mm. But yet we're looking outside for all these answers and all these things all the time that would maybe satiate us or make us feel satisfied or full. And there are so many people telling you, look outside for the answer. And there are so many people who want to fix and help and change you. When instead, just going inside and discovering what the voice of your own best interest has to say is going to be the answer. The challenge there is that many people, because they've been feeling like they didn't measure up while trying to perform for all these outside loyalties, often have a degree, some degree, of self-loathing. Yeah. So going inside is a really hard proposition because you're so used to when you go inside, it's to beat yourself up. Yeah. About not being good enough. My bust has been left out. What's going on here? Everybody else is smiling. Why are they smiling? It's really interesting because everybody believes that, that most other people are happier than they are. And that's why people have this urge to perform. Happiness must be this just elusive carrot on a stick. You're never going to grab it because it's going to be elusive while you're trying to get it outside. And we will never be satisfied until we connect to our inner being. But the good news is that every one of us does have this connection already happening. We're just numb to it because we haven't cultivated this capacity to receive all this love. The voice of our own best interest actually is a loving voice, no matter what. It's not like crazy, stupid, optimistic, you know, pour pink paint on it kind of (laughs) voice. 
it's a very wise, loving voice. So mostly, when it first starts speaking to you, when the mind is going so fast trying to feel, I, I can't perform, I can't dance fast enough on this earth to be worth anything or to accomplish anything of value, and it's telling us go faster, try harder, move more, the inner voice, the wise inner voice, mostly says, stop, slow down, relax, notice, enjoy, just be. And we're not used to hearing that kind of a voice, so it can be easily missed. Like, how many people listen when their inner voice says, relax? Uh, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And we dismiss it really easily. It's one of the things we learned how to do at a young age. Because, or you beat yourself up. Yeah, yeah, or you're not going with the crowd. Yeah. If you're relentlessly following the voice of your own best interest, what does it look like? A Buddha, mm. a master, because they're so relaxed. Because the voice is constantly saying, relax, relax, you're okay. It's okay. So it's that easy. It's perfect. Not only is it okay, it's perfect. Because the voice of our own best interest sees perfection truly always. The reason why it has the upper hand is because it's still connected to our original state of being. The state of being that we came in with with our first breath and that we leave with our last, our pristine self. And I know there might be a lot of people who hear this. I've, you know, worked in prisons with people before, so I know what it feels like to people in prison when you say, ah, relax, you're perfect. <laughs> so I, I get how much this could push buttons in people. But the real self, no matter who you are, even if you are in prison, you have to know your real self is the self that knows exactly how to give you everything you've ever wanted in life. And I will tell you the first step that it always tells you to do is relax. Second step, if it could say this, it doesn't say this, it just knows this is the answer for you, receive. Because if it tells you to receive, you're going to try to receive. The ego has a totally different oh, yeah. view of what receive is. It's okay, I'm going to work a little harder so I can receive more money for work. Yeah, or um, the karma thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or you I'm going to I'm going to perform it. for these people so that then I can be acceptable and I'll receive yeah. then. I'll receive their applause. Yeah. It won't say receive to you because it knows how construed you have that idea and concept in your mind it'll just say relax most people have been forced to relax in life at one time or another even mm. if it was the flu took you down oh yeah so you'll start noticing that the world as i said a little bit earlier is so benevolent that synchronicities start to happen the moment you start to slow down actually you accomplish a lot more a lot more effectively a lot more quickly when you relax. Hmm. There's just a certain vein that you're riding set up by the voice of your own best interest. It's, it's already there. So somebody might say, I've never experienced this, or I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And what I'll say is that everybody has access to this. You only have to go inside and cultivate this capacity to be peaceful for no good reason. Some people call that meditation. Yeah. <laughs> that they're just sitting there with their eyes closed. They're not performing. And some people just call it taking a time out, taking a breath. Some people call it having a little short nap on the couch. Some people call it calling a great friend that makes you laugh every time. It's just choosing 
peace deliberately and choosing to relax deliberately. Once you start to do that more often, your true self is like, okay, you're starting to get it. I'll give you more opportunities to experience this. Whereas before, you know, you might have said, I have no moment in the day to meditate. Yeah. I don't have a minute. I have, you know, three small kids or I have a very demanding job or I'm a chef that, you know, is constantly being put on the spot. You'll find that if you say that, then you're the person who really needs to meditate the most, really needs to take a break the most, really needs to find that little space themselves. And once you do, the divine is on it, I have to say. They really love when we take good care of ourselves, mm -hmm. when we deliberately choose to nurture ourselves or deliberately choose to relax. The moment that starts happening, you'll see that there's parallel paths going on all the time. It's like railroad tracks. One is the path that the ego rides, mm -hmm. and it's always needing to perform. The ego needs to perform. It needs to be center stage, needs to have everybody's attention, needs to feel that someday I'll be good enough, but it somehow never gets there. So is the ego a part of everything else? Is it like something that we should accept as a part of life? I would, because it's the voice of separation, mm. the voice of our own best interest or the soul or our inner being mm -hmm. or the, the true self of us is the voice of connectivity. Mm. The reason we need it is because it's the antidote to the voice of separation. Oh, okay. It's just logical, though, when you're on Earth, you got to give yourself a break and just say, okay, so what? I have an ego. If you have a body, you have an ego. Yeah. Because you feel you're separate from me sitting across there. Yeah. And I feel I'm separate from the microphone. And I feel I'm separate from my sister or my brother or my friend because we have bodies. So along with a body comes an ego. And it's trying to make you okay and safe and survive in this world of all kinds of stuff coming at you all the time. So it does have your best interests in mind, but it instead of acting in your best interest a lot of times, it tries to run the show when the true self of us that's connected to everything has a much bigger capacity to do that. Hmm. It's, it's like it's at one with everything. So if you follow that voice of peace within you and you start to focus there, watch synchronicities start to happen. Mm. That oneness, the being of oneness in us, if we focus on what we really love and brings us joy, it can bring about for you at 25, the synchronicity that you've had in your heart of hearts since three, that for some reason it didn't fit the mold of what everybody else in your world thought was best for you. And so you went with their agendas until the day you say, I can't do it anymore. Who am I? Yeah. And then your real self would speak up and say, I know, I know, I know exactly who you are. I know I've been watching you since you're born. I know how much energy you have to excel in this area. You just never even tried. Your ego said, oh, you're not good enough. Told you all this stuff that's complete, I'll say it, bullshit. And the real self all of a sudden comes to life for you. And that's when miracles happen Miracles collapse time and space. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't need your logical approach step by step. I'm going to, you know, go to school, go to college, get a diploma, get a job, then I'll get this and I'll get that. It's a very linear way, our ego. If it can't logically comprehend it, it doesn't exist for the ego. 
it says, give me the reins. I'll do it. I'll do it harder, faster, better. Mm. Whereas the divine self is like, relax. You know, you're so perfect. You're already perfect. Not only that, you have everything you need that you came in with to live your best life, excelling. Just follow the path of joy. Relax. Watch it come to you. And not only that, we'll show you how easy it is. The divine self of us lives in timelessness. Mm. It's never seen itself really as as finite as being limited to a body. It just doesn't have that capacity to see us finitely. It only sees us with major capacity to expand beyond any limitations. It sees us as busting out of the ego eventually. Mm. It knows that the ego can contain us forever. And so it knows that it's going to hold the space doggedly and resiliently and perpetually that we're awesome. We came here simply to experience ourselves being awesome, simply to experience the most happiness that we could even possibly hope to contain in a human body and enjoy life to its fullest. What does that look like? It looks like I love everything. I don't know what it is, but I love it. I love my life. I love these people. I love that they're different. I love that we get stormy days so that I can just hole up and relax for a day. I love that it's brilliant sun over here and not over here. You just start to look at the reasons why there's so much going on in this world of contrast to choose from. And now without the ego's voice, that's basically based on fear your true self's voice, which is basically based on love, can thrive in any circumstance. It can choose the higher road in any circumstance. So I'm going to get back to those railroad tracks. Mm. We get to choose between these two. The ego is one track. Our true self, our divine self, our inner being is the other track. It's always in a state of anticipation for the best thing ever to happen. The ego is always micromanaging how it monitors and sees things based on lack. So you see somebody walking down the street and they have a real sad puss on their face. Mm -hmm. The ego sees them and is like, oh God, this person isn't getting out of my way. Yeah. The true self of you sees the person coming down the street with a sad face and you smile spontaneously and watch how you affect them. Our true self is contagious as well because everybody feels a loss of not being connected to it if they're not. Hmm. So we give the ego so much authority to fight and to defend and to get the upper hand if you follow the ego's voice when instead if you relax, you'll find that divine self knows the inroad in any circumstance. You never really have to fight or resist anything. I'm hearing all kinds of political mantras now about fight and resist. If we're fighting and resisting, you can bet you're going to have a longer, harder battle. If instead you can appreciate someone's point of view just for being human, just for having a limited perspective, because that comes along with the ego, the fear and the limited perspective. If you can accept that and say... Well, you know, I can get that. We all came here and we all have different experiences from birth till now. I'm going to honor everybody's perspective, no matter what it is, because that allows me to tap my own perspective more fully and completely. And maybe, just maybe, if I follow that peaceful, fun, 
joyful perspective that truly all of our inner beings have. I'll be able to do things like, you know, Steve Colbert making jokes about the political system. Because that's our inner being. It sees us as a massive joke. You all think you're limited. Hysterical. You're part of the divine. You're part of the allness of creation. You think you're limited enough to have a fight with that poor person who just had a fight with someone else, and so you show up because you're in a bad mood, and so you're attracting on that track that you're on everything that you need to do in order to wake up. We blame other people, but you wouldn't be on the track with the person with the sour puss coming in your way unless you were feeling it first. Yeah. Takes a little responsibility without self-judgment because we're used to taking responsibility for problems and pain calling ourselves a piece of dirt in the process. Mm. This makes us take responsibility for having just been off track for a moment. Just choosing the track that was not happy when we had the opportunity to choose the parallel path and just relax. Literally nine-tenths, at least nine-tenths of problems in the world would be solved if everybody just relaxed. Just relax. So how do we connect to the inner being that holds loyalty? Does that make any sense? Yeah, it actually does. So it has one loyalty and one loyalty only, and that's to love. Its loyalty is to love. But this is kind of opening a little bit of a can of worms because people have all kinds of ideas about what love is. Mm -hmm. And the love that I'm speaking about is the love that is connected to our deepest fulfillment and happiness. It's not a temporal thing. It's who we are, actually. It's the truth of who we are. So when you hear and see people having all kinds of things that feel off or away from love in life, it's their ego for sure. Mm. Because the ego's agenda is towards fear and having its own way. But the loyalty that the inner being feels is towards connectivity and think of love. It's the greatest connector that we experience on earth. So love is sort of a symptom of connectivity, connectivity to everything. Our limited minds only sees us able to connect to one thing at a time or a couple of things at a time. But our true self sees us being able to connect to everything. Mm. You started out saying this in the very beginning of the podcast, that when you were young, you used to have loyalty to everything. I believe most kids do start this life this way, that they don't know how to discriminate one thing is better than the other thing. And it's sort of like their loyalty is more to connectivity. That innocence of us sees everything worthy of love and everything worthy of appreciation. So maybe that word appreciation is a clue as to how we get connected to this. Mm, When you start to appreciate things, even the contrasts, even other people's having a bad day or other people having an opinion that's different from yours, when you start to be able to appreciate that, it puts you in closer and closer alignment to love. Love doesn't get threatened by anything true love doesn't get threatened by anything it knows that it's the greatest power that the entire universe could be touched by it's not of the world it comes into the world via people and when we let down our guards or our egos we tap it 
but it's what really runs the show. The reason why people are so drawn to love is because that's what the inner being is connected to that's divine. Divinity is love. So if I were to say to you, I see you, I see who you are because you're letting your inner being shine, essentially what I'm saying is the loving being of you without defense just showed up. Hmm. And it doesn't look at all like it's a grabby, needy love. It looks much more like a compassionate way of being available for everybody's best interest. Hmm. It doesn't have agendas, but it has loyalty to everyone at their core. It would look at you having a bad day and say, oh, I know who you really are. That's only temporary. You know, you've got all these gifts. You could do this and this and this and this, and you're forgetting that right now because you're looking at this situation outside of yourself as more important than you. But just tap your inner self right now, and you're going to start to see all this creativity emerge that you can create your way out of anything. You're awesome. You're, you're so awesome that I could just sit here and appreciate you all day. That's what an inner being is saying to every other inner being. Yet most people aren't connected to that. Yeah. People who are tapped into this true inner being of us, they don't default to fear. They default to appreciation. Hmm. They're defaulting to appreciation no matter what. Knowing the more consistently you can stay in appreciation, the more the outer world morphs to fit the story you're telling. Hmm. Once you get a chance to let yourself experience this as a renegade that yeah. doesn't accept anything less, you'll start to notice you and your true self has that power. Love has that power. Someone can come up in the most irate mood and be completely ego-driven, but our true self knows no boundaries and conditions, so it'll hold the space of love relentlessly until, 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 until someone else cries uncle. Wow. Most humans don't know that. They don't know that if you hold that loving space ad infinitum, no stopping, not possible, that soon the other person's resistance has to fold, no matter how formidable they appear to be. And sometimes the more formidable they appear to be, the easier they fall. They're exhausting themselves every yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are tired. Yeah. They're, they're ready to fall. So when you notice that people are tired and exhausted of being themselves, <laughs> the self that they believe themselves to be, instead of the true self that they are, it's a lot easier to love them back to wholeness. Hmm. And that's why you work with the clients that you work with. I do. So the reason I find it captivating is because if you're a person holding space for people, you know there's nowhere for them to fall but into divine arms ultimately. Hmm. So all you have to do is stay aligned with that while people go through all their gyrations. The happier you can stay, the better hmm. because people don't understand this one either. This is for a whole different Miracle Renegade podcast, but people don't realize that as soon as you buy into somebody's dramatic story and start to say, oh, they're a terrible person or they're a bad person or they're too messed up to fix, you're not holding the space of that infinite love mm -hmm. at that time. 
they start to feel guilty and guilt is what gets you stuck in the illusion the most. Mm. Guilt and judgment, two sides of the same coin. Either you're feeling guilty for being who you are and that sucks you into the same old identity over and over and over, waking up to it every day, or you're feeling judgmental about a situation that happened and that sucks you into the same suck hole, the same ego suck hole. When you're in that space, you might as well see it as pretty black and white. You're in black, you're in dark. When you're in the space of your true self that sees only love in any situation, you're in the light. So somebody who's holding the space of that true self perspective, that inner being perspective, the spirit or soul perspective, essentially when someone's really, really in the dark, you start to recognize that it's as easy as walking into a room and turning on the light. Oh, wow. Dark doesn't survive in the light. Yeah. You turn on the light, it's no longer dark. And so as long as you stay committed to the light, you have the capacity, the light of you, the inner being of you. As long as you stay committed to that, you have the capacity to turn on the light anywhere. The only reason that you can't is because you're in judgment or fear or guilt. Mm. So that's for another episode. All right, we thought that it might be a good idea to clarify some of these terms that we're going to be talking about on the Miracle Renegade podcast, because some of them might not be your normal way of looking at things. Yeah, and we'll leave it in notes and an easy to find place. Great, yeah, we'll have it so that people can always access this in case they're starting to feel like they're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, then these will be able to clarify what we're talking about. Yeah, this is helping me too, so I can't wait to hear. Cool, okay. (laughs) So the first one I have here is spirit or soul or inner being. We're going to be interchanging them all the time, depending on whatever comes out of my mouth. It might be one of those. Divine is also the same thing. And what I'm saying or referring to when I say those things, spirit, soul, inner being, our divinity is the voice of our own best interest. It's the connection we have, each of us individually, to all of it, to allness. Allness is the divine. If you took everything without separation so that there was no this or that or good or bad, it would be allness. And so whenever we talk about us as a spirit, soul, inner being, it's our individual aspect of the allness. So what I'd like to say about that, it's more like a visual here, would be we came to Earth like the ray of a sun comes to Earth. We're connected to the sun, even though we're a ray of the sun. Mm. And sometimes clouds could come by and make us feel separate from the sun because a cloud just came over. But the ray of the sun is always going to be connected to the sun, no matter what. Mm. That's what we are like as human beings. Our divine self, our inner being, our soul or spirit is like the ray of the sun. We came to earth. We chose to shine on the earth and be here. Literally, we chose to shine on the earth. That's what we thought we were coming to do. Then the clouds came in sometimes, and we were feeling separate or disjointed. We weren't feeling like we're part of the sun. And all of a sudden, we start to make choices and decisions, and we perceive things as a separate being. That's the voice of the ego. So when I talk about the ego, it's the mind that's the split mind. You're always going to hear it as a separation from who we really are. I'll get to that one in a moment too. So the voice of the soul or spirit is the voice of our own best interest. And it speaks for the unified 
field of awareness. It speaks for everything. So whenever we're seeing things from this perspective of the soul, it's always going to be win-win. And there's never loss, by the way. Mm. It always sees everything evolving towards a win and everyone wins. Mm. So see that genius aspect to it? Like what human mind in the world of separation can really perceive from the outset win-win for everybody and be able to attain that easily. Wow. It always has the best interest of all in mind, and it's in constant contact with the divine. It sees the whole picture always with like an aerial view of things. It's why people refer to a spiritual journey as climbing to the top of the mountain. Mm. It's not just seeing a fraction or a fragment of things. It's being able to see the whole picture without separation. This is an experience of knowing because it's seeing everything at once. A small mind can't perceive that way. It's eternal in orientation because it was never born. This truth of us was never born. It came in with our first breath and it'll leave with our last, but it was really never born. This body got born, but this being of us, the animating part of us, is eternal. It abides in a unified place of peace and ease. It's always in a state of unity, and it's in a place of perfect equanimity. It sees all other parts of everything as well, but it always sees everything with compassion and a sense of balance and ease and knows exactly how to arrive there. Mm. So then we have the mind that comes in with an idea of this and that. It sees contrast mm. in essence. So you don't have to think of this and that as bad. It's like black and white. It's just black and white. But we get to choose with our mind what we perceive and how we perceive it based on our past. So this is where time and space comes in. We have to have a past in order to be able to judge or assess things in the present, or else we'd have nothing to compare it to. So this world of this and that, of the ego, is entirely based on perception. And since it's entirely based on perception, spirit, the truth of us, the wholeness of us, sees it as very limited and fragmented. It loves it. it. loves it like a little puppy that's going into the room and ripping up papers and peeing in the corners and doing things all the wrong way because it doesn't know any better. It has compassion, but it would never let it run the show because it knows it's still learning based on perception, which is limited, and it'll always have a new thing that it learns, maybe not till 10 years from now. So right now, it might not make the most complete and whole decision, but it has great compassion for this ego self. It's never admonishing or acting as though, you know, what are they thinking? It's never frustrated because it's in timelessness. It knows, no worries, this is going to end sometime, and who cares, we got eternity. It's not in a rush. It doesn't push or goad you, the true self, whereas the ego does all of that. It's in a time-space continuum, so it's very rushed about most things. It has a very needy, get it done fast kind of need, even though you really have eternity to get this right. So we have the ego as entirely illusory, so it makes only illusions. Mm. It makes illusions really real to us. It makes us think that these things are very dramatic and important when 
Think of people on their deathbed. What was I thinking? Why did I get so stressed out about work? I've just recently spoken to someone who had their kitty pass away. And the first thing she said was, he would, you know, nudge me and want me to pet him. And I would be on my cell phone looking at Google and YouTube. And what was I thinking? Now he's gone. And and that stuff doesn't even matter. So those are the kinds of things that the ego makes us do. Things that are not connected to love, but they're on their way maybe someday to feel satisfying. Hmm. Spirit and soul, or the inner being, creates from awareness of infinite possibility. So think about that. Where's the fear if you know you have infinite possibility and you're going to jump into an endeavor that makes your heart sing, and you just don't entertain the ego's viewpoint at that time? What can you do? Anything. Why is the ego so insistent on keeping us from knowing that? because it'll lose its job. Literally, that's the only reason that it's afraid of death. It's afraid of its own death. Infinite has no fear of death because it knows it doesn't really exist. It isn't even possible. It's just a concept that was created by egos. Okay. Right-mindedness is of our true self, of our spirit. It sees the real world all potential for infinite love. That's what it sees. Everything is potential for infinite love. So anytime you see a child going wholeheartedly into something, singing even though they don't know how to sing, it's because it's their potential for infinite love. It's not singing. It's them connected to their true self because they don't have the defenses against it. These are terms, again, right-mindedness and wrong-mindedness. It's not me judging things. It's just like if we say that someone's in their wrong mind. It's not because we're being judgmental. It's because we're showing the difference between a right mind and a wrong mind or a wrong perception of things. So wrong-mindedness sees problems and guilt and judgment and death as all real. Hmm. It's basically based on fear. It's basically based on separation that at any moment the shoe can drop. Hmm. And literally at any moment, disaster can happen. So it's kind of on the lookout for that all the time, which brings it to us because we're attracting what it is that we focus on. (laughs) So wrong-mindedness is totally wrong, in quotes. (laughs) I can't judge it, but I will say it's always wrong. It's always wrong. Okay. Ego has a time-space perspective, as I just said. So that makes us feel very limited, because we always need to feel these confines of time and space. And it's very, very, very addictive. We constantly feel under the gun and sometimes push ourselves to have more and more experiences in our day, especially with today's technologies and the possibilities of having access to everything all the time. If we don't watch out this time and space continuum captivates us entirely and consumes us entirely. So we never have, in quotes, the time to do things like sit back, relax, and meditate, which is connecting to our inner being. So spirit is always in a timeless space on the opposite trajectory of things. It always knows you have time for whatever is most important, for whatever is most important. So 
when you say, I don't have time to relax, and you happen then to get sick, this timeless self of you knows, well, you somehow are going to have time to relax. Even if you don't stop yourself, we'll stop you and let you relax. (laughs) So that's the way of spirit. It's never doing anything hurtful to you. But we do so much that's hurtful to ourselves that we're very unconscious of that the true self of us will sometimes slow us down and make us take a deeper, more thoughtful look at it. Okay, this is straight out of A Course in Miracles. It's one of my favorite lines from A Course in Miracles. The ego's opposite in every way, in origin, effect, and consequence, we call a miracle. Isn't that amazing to know that the miracle is the exact opposite of the ego? No trying or striving allowed. They come to us because they are completely amazing and blissful and wonderful and full of love at a time when we don't like ourselves at all. They always come out of context because they are not of time and space. So a logical mind cannot think them into being. Mm. That's why they're unconditioned. They come from the unconditioned world into the conditioned world and insert themselves in a way that blows away the existing condition. Hmm. Miracles are the opposite of ego, the complete opposite of ego. Like darkness is the opposite of light. You turn on a light and darkness no longer exists. In a miraculous world, you see kindness, gentleness, helpers along the way, happiness, and sure peace. It leaves pain, problems, fear, judgment, evil, and guilt in the dust without a trace, completely gone. It annihilates the ego. It's the complete opposite. So they can't hold the same space at the same time Mm. in this world of time and space. So any problem of any kind you ever had, all thoughts about yourself that were dismissive or defensive or derogatory or belittling, judgmental, in any way are all ego. Any sane, hopeful, optimistic, visionary, uniting, loving thoughts are spirit or what we'll call the real you. Mm. So all of these things that we refer to, spirit, soul, the inner being, it's the real you, capital R, capital Y, real you. Greater than any problem in every way. The miracle forgives and the ego damns. So you'll always know when a miracle is about to happen because there's a shift in perception that helps people to forgive something that made them sad or, or sick or, or all kinds of things. The ego damns and the miracle forgives. In this lies both the problem and the solution because we all have free will to choose which voice we'll go with at any time. So the problem is, (laughs) how do you get yourself to choose the miracle that forgives or you're going to damn it with the ego? That's going to be a lot of what we talk about in Miracle Renegade. A renegade's going to choose forgiveness at times when it's the most unlikely and not sometimes the hardest. But how else do you know your power? How else do you know the power of love? Love forgives and fear is the opposite. Forgiveness is a concept that we're going to see a lot because it's a panacea for consciousness. So let's look at forgiveness. It's going to be our go-to solution most of the time. 
if you have something that's a really wrapping you up in angst and pain and problems, guess where we're going to have to go? See it differently. Forgiveness is basically seeing it differently first. You have to have the wherewithal to get out of that judgment, guilt, suck hole and be able to say, okay, this isn't serving me. It's just not loving this. It feels really shitty. Mm. And I want to be able to see this differently. Forgiveness is a way that we can bridge the perception between pain and the truth. Whoever looks at the real self of someone, the true you, the true self, that's the bigger perspective, sees differently. When you can see that in someone else, even in the midst of their biggest pain and problems, all of a sudden you become aligned with the true self of you. It just happens by nature of seeing the truth in someone else, you see your true self yourself. Mm. When this happens, now other people are not attacked anymore by you. They're recognized. It's simply the end of attack. It's a recognition. And that always feels like connectivity. Feel Mm. that connectivity there. We have a couple of things we're going to be talking about at certain times. I'm not going to go really into depth into them right now. But there are a few levels of experience here. Knowledge is of our true self. It knows the entire picture. There's not any this or that to it. It's a knowing. Then we have perception. Perception has a this and that, so we can perceive it this way or that way. And that is because we're in the world of form that's run by egos. So perception is never going to be knowledge. You can have a perception about something, but you don't know the truth until you're united with all of it. True perception is what a miracle renegade has. They're the person who's going to choose the truth of something that's unifying and connecting and loving and peaceful over the misperception, which is when someone's in the ego entirely. So we have knowledge, perception, true perception, and misperception. Our spirit, the self of us that feels spirited in life, you know, the one that can get energized and happy just by looking at other people thriving and having a good time, that's the spirited that's connected to us. And it's our communication link between divine and ourselves. So this voice of our own best interest What it is is a communication link between the real truth, the allness, the world of knowledge, the everything, and us in this limited world that we see as a this and that place because of the ego with perspective. So our true self, the voice of our own best interest, is like a communication link between the divine and us. That's why people can sometimes feel a little guilty when they're acting mad or mean because they're disconnected from their true self. It knows us as divine. It perceives because it's here sent for us. So it gets this whole world of perception. It's really awesome because it's connected to the divine. So it knows, but it also perceives. So it has the best of both worlds. It can see how we see it. So it's not going to condemn us for seeing things really weird or off or bad or horrible. It can see our perspective but it knows the bigger picture at the same time. So you can always rely on it because they're going to say, okay, I get what you're seeing, but then there's this. And it gives you the expansive vision once you start tapping it. So now you can see why it's so valuable for us to start tapping this inner being Mm -hmm. that has the capacity to perceive what we're seeing with our limited ego mind and be part of allness and oneness and know everything at the same time it never forgets 
the creator, the great creator with a capital C, and it always sees the creations as we truly are. It sees us as one, like the ray of the sun. It sees us as one with the sun. It sees us as one with our great creator always. So can you see how hysterical it thinks of us when we think of ourselves in limited ways, when it knows we're connected to the source of everything? What answer don't we have? It's a crazy perception to think of ourselves as lost and forgotten and deprived because we always have access to who we truly are at any turn in the road because this true self of us knows us as divine always.